Cleveland Schmooze is sponsored by the Cleveland Jewish News. Get the latest news and information from the Cleveland Jewish News delivered right to your inbox. Choose from breaking news, daily headlines, community life cycle notices, arts, events, highlights, and more with our free e-newsletters. Sign up now at cjn.org slash e-signup. Welcome to Cleveland Schmooze, a bi-weekly podcast about the people who make up Jewish Cleveland. We are your hosts, Rachel Rood and Robin Rood. This week, we are keeping it in the family by talking to my husband of almost 38 years, Dr. Mark Rood. We asked my dad about what it's like being a family physician in Northeast Ohio for over 30 years. We sat down with him at our home in South Russell, Ohio. Well... Dr. Mark Grood, a.k.a. Dad, welcome to Cleveland Schmitz. Thank you. So we are here <laughs> with... This is, the fam- only, this is the family version. Not only Dad, but also a cranky baby named Elijah, who is our nephew and your grandchild. What is it like being a new grandpa? I think it's terrific. We had a blessing of a very healthy baby boy born to uh, Michelle, my second daughter, and we're thrilled to welcome him into the family. And her husband. (laughs) And and her husband, Scott. (laughs) Don't push the microphone away from you, it's just a catcher. (laughs) Okay, Elisha, okay. And we're very blessed, it's our first grandchild. We're so excited, I love being an aunt. And um, he's just the cutest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. So, uh, Dad, we are talking with you today to learn a little bit more about your role as a doctor in Northeast Ohio and learn a little bit more about your Jewish identity. So, um, can you talk a little bit about how you grew up in uh, Judaism? So, I grew up in uh, Columbus, Ohio. Um, I was a member of Reformed Congregation, moved there when I was in the fifth grade. Prior to that, I had lived in 10 different states, having originally been born in New Jersey. Oh, we might have a poopy diaper. Shayna! And we're back. We had to lose Eli. He had to leave. He had to use the, he had to use the little boy's room. Yes, so... We were talking about your beginnings in Judaism, your raised reform. So I um, uh, grew up at a reform synagogue in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, was very active in the youth group for the Ohio Valley Federation of Temple Youth, AFTI. Um, I went to Zionsville Kutz Camp and uh, Kutz Camp in New York for National Federation of Temple Youth. And you played guitar. And I was a song leader and played guitar, yes. Did you play a lot of Jewish songs, or was it more folk we, songs? We led services, we led uh, meetings around the campfire, we did a number of things. And in the middle of 1970s, our group went to Washington, D.C., I remember the Soviet pro- protesting uh, the, the Jackson Amendment. What was and you that? wrote that paper. I wrote a, a paper on the history of Soviet Jewry, um, which uh, ironically, most of the information I received from the West Temple here in Cleveland. The gentleman who just passed away. And we were 
a very active, spirited Jewish youth. And I went to Ohio State for undergraduate. That's where I met your mother. And um, Lucky for I, me. I was A.E. Pi and she was A.E. Phi, and it was a match made in heaven. And there are two Jewish fraternities. And a sorority. Are they exclusively Jewish, or were they exclusively Jewish at the time? No, I, I, they weren't exclusively Jewish. But the irony was that most of the boys who grew up with uh, Robin uh, had pledged A.E. Pi, mm-hmm. and I had a scholarship to Ohio State that required that I either live in the dormitory or a fraternity house. Didn't want to live in the dormitory, so I, starting my freshman year, I pledged the A.E. Pi fraternity from the first day of my schooling at Ohio State. And how is that ironic? Well, it's ironic because everyone knew your mother. Uh-huh. Um, and and you uh, were the a, one who landed her. <laughs> there was a big Cleveland contingency. There were a lot of people from Cleveland who attended that uh, fraternity. Cool. The interesting thing is, because I've known you my whole life, obviously, I I always kind of wondered about your level of practice because you were raised reform, but you and my mom obviously belonged to Benetian, which is a conservative temple. So was that a conversation where you guys were considering reform synagogues when you moved? Did you have any issue with joining a different sect than you were raised? Your mother was uh, very active in conservative Mm -hmm. faith. And before moving to Columbus, I had actually been part of a synagogue in my early Jewish education that was um, more conservative Orthodox. And um, I actually, when we moved to Columbus, I was farther ahead than most of the students in my grade in terms of my Hebrew and Jewish education. And um, it was actually pretty comfortable for me to make the transition to, Mm -hmm. to be part of the conservative Jewish movement. But you don't, like, attend... You never go to temple. Temple. Let's <laughs> just call it for what it is. anymore. <laughs> so would you consider yourself, like, a practicing Jew or more of an... It's part of your identity and you like the culture. very strong in practicing in our, in our uh, family, in our house. Um, I'm not as much of a um, synagogue attendee, in part working as a physician. Uh, My work holds me into long hours, um, but I do do mitzvahs by helping save people's lives, and I consider that to be... So Rabbi Weiss said, he gets a pass because he saves lives. (laughs) (laughs) But, ironically... Um, your grandparents in Columbus at Temple Israel, your grandfather was very active in his congregation in men's club in the choir, and your grandmother was very active in her sisterhood. Right. So he did have the experience of having both of his parents be very involved uh, in their synagogue life in Columbus. Mm-hmm. And I think the perspective of having been active in both a Reform and Conservative synagogue is 
I think that if you're passionate about your Judaism, the experience can be fulfilling in either of the two denominations. So I, I didn't feel any less Jewish being in a Reform congregation as a conservative congregation. Speaking of saving lives, uh, that's a good transition to talking about your long career in Northeast Ohio being a family physician. Let's tell our listeners sort of how you get started in your interest in medicine and does the saving lives, the, the helping others, how do you sort of relate that to your Jewish identity? Well, I started in medical school in Cincinnati, and uh, when Robin was pregnant with her first child, she wanted to come home, so I attended residency at University Hospitals and was committed to be a family physician. I wanted to work with uh, families who needed care and take care of the whole person and the whole age spectrum from newborns through grandma and grandpas. and. When it was time to go into private practice, I looked at the confines of Northeast Ohio, thought there were too many physicians within the confines of I-271, and thought I needed to go someplace where people actually needed a doctor. I settled out in Geauga County uh, because you could go for miles in any direction and not find another uh, physician of any specialty, be it family practice or or specialists and there was a tremendous need at the time that I started uh, my practice. In my first practice that I owned I asked the dentist next door how's business and he said well in the beginning it was a little slow because cows don't need root canal (laughs) but um, it built up and that's essentially the practice that I started in South Russell Uh, which is about three miles east of Sugar Falls, how it got started and how we built it from scratch. And today it's a thriving practice that five years ago we uh, merged in with the Cleveland Clinic. And uh, we're still in the same site in the building that I built. With your bare hands. (laughs) Over 20 years ago. Over almost 30 years ago. Well, almost 30 years ago from the time that we actually started started practicing in Geauga County. Yeah. When you subscribe to the Cleveland Jewish News, you receive 52 issues of the award-winning CJN and 15 total magazines, including J-Style, Canvas, and Balanced Family. Try the Cleveland Jewish News for free. Start your six-week free trial at cjn.org slash six free. The Robert Wood Johnson survey that comes out every year, the annual community survey, does like a deep dive into county statistics. And we did a show in Ashtabula for my work at IdeaStream a month or so ago that talked about how Ashtabula was one of the counties with the poorest health outcomes in Northeast Ohio. But Geauga County was the county that had the highest health outcomes in Northeast Ohio. So do you attribute that to you? <laughs> yes, I'm single-handedly responsible for making a healthy county in, uh, in Chaga. Um, you are one of the most popular doctors in the area. Thank you. Thank you so much. I will, I, <laughs> from your unbiased I will, yeah. but, I, but it is true nonetheless. Okay. I mean, I remember you guys being involved in campaigns to improve the health of the county. Exactly. There was an article that came out in the 
American Journal of Public Health, I believe, that called in a uh, survey done of 444 counties randomly chosen across the nation that Geauga County had the auspicious honor of being the most obese county in the nation, according to this journal article. This and is years ago. This was, 2006. this was 2006, I believe. So your mom being a dietitian and me being a family physician, we thought we should um, try to do something about that. Mm-hmm. We should fight back as Jagged County. So right. we organized the you wrote a study. county hospital, wrote a study to get funding to give free medical advice and nutrition, nutrition counseling and uh, exercise. exercise fitness at the local Geauga YMCA mm-hmm. to any county resident who would uh, participate in what we call the Geauga Fitness Challenge. And it was um, a great initiative. Uh, we were trying to move the county before any other movement, move it campaigns right. from we were the really local hospital systems. We were, as your mom said, ahead of our time. You're also an innovator in our local health community in being in your current role now working in telemedicine at a very early stage with the Cleveland Clinic and helping to found, I get to brag about you for a second because I was at your award ceremony at Case Western Reserve University where you were honored with an award for developing a telemedicine program for residents. Um, well, I, was, I received an uh, award for creating a teaching elective for fourth-year medical students right. in the field of telemedicine. I was one of the physicians who helped start Express Care Online, which is the Cleveland Clinic's telemedicine initiative. And we grew the online platform from a paltry few patients per month to now where we're seeing in excess of 4,000 patients a month. So um, that's essentially meeting patients where they are with their health care needs, and I'm pretty proud of the fact that we're able to provide that service. So you've gone from like completely creating a practice from the ground up in from scratch, Geauga County, to completely creating a you know telemedicine program with the help of colleagues from the Cleveland Clinic from scratch. What are you going to next? What's your <laughs> what's your <laughs> Next big interest. Well, I'm, I'm happy to continue to serve as the site leader for our practice in South Russell. And I consider healthcare at a moment of transition and innovation as we move from being paid as physicians for just seeing patients in the office to now being responsible for their entire care needs, whether they're seeing us or not. Insurance companies want to make sure that patients are healthy, and how we serve a population of patients as opposed to just serving one patient at a time uh, is the new challenge ahead for healthcare. And I'm happy that I'm participating in innovative options for how we can accomplish that goal. I also think um, you've done some research and you've been published in some pretty uh, prestigious magazines. So, why don't you share uh, with Rachel what you've been doing? Well, in my work as telemedicine, we uh, have uh, published uh, just the who, what, when, where, why, and how of who uses telemedicine and what the incentives are for 
patients to use a telemedicine platform, what can be done, what shouldn't be done, and these experiences from having access to the data from our telemedicine experience is valuable for physicians, patients, and other concerned members of society uh, as we move forward with this new, exciting innovation in medicine. I wanted to end with you remembering what was the coolest save of a person's life you ever made. I, I just always remember at the dinner table loving hearing your stories about, you know, did you save a life today? Well, yes, I did. <laughs> well, I have um, had patients who have been pulled up to our office in cardiac arrest, and we've fortunately had one that we were able to save. I pulled him out of the car in the parking lot, pulled really? him onto the ground, um, started chest compressions and CPR, and we called 911, and the patient um, survived. And that, for anyone who knows anything about the likelihood of success with cardiac resuscitation in the field, that was something I'm pretty proud of. When was that? That was about um, eight years ago. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. No, my favorite story is when he had a patient in the office and he listened to his heart and heard something that wasn't quite right. And he said to the guy, gee, I think you really need to go to the hospital. And the guy goes, no, I've got some errands to run and I have a funeral I have to go to. And then your father says, yeah, well, if you don't go to the hospital, the funeral might be yours. <laughs> so the guy goes That's to the dark. <laughs> well, the guy goes to the hospital and then he gets a phone call back from the ER doctor who listened to him, and he said, nice pickup, Dr. Very nice. But can we talk about measles? Okay. Just quickly. So before we go, there is, we are currently in the midst of a measles epidemic that we haven't seen in decades. What is your thoughts on the measles outbreak? Well, I think it's very unfortunate because measles, as you may know, is a disease that, um, we actually declared had been eradicated in the United States. And now because uh, people are not getting vaccinations uh, as fully as they should, we're seeing occurrences in over 20 states. Uh, fortunately, at this point in time, Ohio is not a state with diagnosed and confirmed cases of measles, but we still want to encourage everyone to get their vaccinations as uh, suggested, recommended, and in many cases required. This is not just a individual health issue, this is a public health issue because if people do not get the vaccines that they need, then other people who are more vulnerable are put at health risk. So like seniors and infants Children. and... And people who are immunosuppressed because they're trying to... Um, cancer patients. ...receive chemotherapy for cancer. Mm -hmm. Young infants who are too young to be vaccinated for measles, for instance. And fortunately, in Ohio, we do not have currently an epidemic as of the time of this podcast, but who knows what will happen in the future. Fortunately, people who were born before 1957 are universally felt to be immune in most cases. You should always check with your family physician, internist, or pediatrician if you have any questions about vaccinations. 
but there are some people who uh, receive vaccines after 1957 who and may be more vulnerable. Before 1989. And before 1989. So I'm free. Who I'm may, lucky. <laughs> who, who may be more vulnerable for need for perhaps a booster or a second vaccination. And you can check with your uh, primary care physician for further advice about whether that applies to you. So are you getting your vaccine or booster? I had already consulted with my doctor, and I was born in 1958, but evidently I'm okay. It wasn't. What about you? He was born in 59. I was actually tested as part of our entry into the Cleveland Clinic to see if I was immune to measles, and I am currently testing that I have been immune. Okay, great. So just check with your doc. All right. Dr. Dad, thank you for coming on our podcast. It's always great hearing from you. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to Cleveland Schmooze, a podcast produced by Rachel and Robin Rood. Tune in every other Friday to get the latest episode in your podcast feed. You can also find an archive of our episodes at our website, clevelandschmooze.com. And feel free to share any comments or suggestions to our email, clevelandschmooze at gmail.com. That's schmooze spelled C-A-S-C-H. <laughs> That's schmooze spelled schmooze. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>